Welcome to It's Happening, a college career podcast from the Marquette University Career Services Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm Gracie Van Spankeren, and I'm a career counselor and one of your co-hosts. Today, I'm joined by Michael Stock, one of our new career counselors and guest hosts for today's episode. Here's the show. Today, we're excited to have Nick Dalton, who is a Marquette grad and current employee of Kohl's on the show. So Nick, can you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit to our audience? Yes. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Thank you, Gracie and Michael, for having me on today. Uh, as she just mentioned, yes, I'm a, I'm a relatively recent Marquette grad, graduated in 2019 with my bachelor's in, in accounting and supply chain, so I'm a business guy, and then uh, did a little master's program as well at Marquette, because you can't get enough Marquette, um, <laughs> and I, I wish that that kind of followed through on in, as we get into March Madness, but haven't mm-hmm. been so lucky recently, but... Oh, dang. But... Yeah. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's great to be on here. I'm happy to happy I could join today. Yeah, well, we're really happy to have you on. And so you mentioned what you majored in in undergrad. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of how you got into the accounting and supply chain world and the the story behind that as well? Absolutely, yeah. So that honestly goes back to the beginning of high school for me. I you know you get those random elective courses you can take in high school, and mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I was like, I could kind of go engineering. I'm pretty analytical. I'm, I had kind of a math brain growing up. You could say I was kind of steered there. I was like, I don't really feel like I have the science um, passion, you could say. So I was like, let's try some of the business electives. Mm. And getting through, I kind of cooked through a lot of those in high school. And it's like, all right, I know that these are all very high level, very broad, but it's like, this, this seems like an interest of mine. So I was like, all right, let's go with that. And then as, as getting into college, I was like, yes, I'm, I want to be in the business school. And mm-hmm. even though we, you know, we don't declare our major until sophomore year, I think technically, but we had to take our intro accounting courses and did very well in those. You could, I, I excelled in those. It came to me pretty easily. Just, just my natural, um, the way, the way that things clicked in my brain, I was like, this, this makes sense to me. And I was like, so yeah, it's just kind of, I set myself on that path early on and mm-hmm. didn't seem to deviate. It just kind of seemed to come to me. And that's kind of how we went through. That's, that's how we went through undergrad was, mm-hmm. yes, I'm going to be an accounting major. Sophomore year comes around and I, I've heard already all of the, the great spiels about how easy it is to double major. And with me thinking about accounting, mm-hmm. looking towards my CPA exam, you need the 150 credits and all that. So I was like, oh, okay, man. I think that a double major would be a really smart choice to get to that 150 credits. I wasn't feeling like I wanted to do the master's route, which is kind of the other common route to get to the 150 credits is go a fifth Mm -hmm. year and get a master's in accounting. It's like, okay, maybe I can do the 150. I had a lot of AP credits coming in. I was like, maybe I could, I could get the 150 in four years with a double major. Yeah. So once that route, yeah. So I, I was thinking about what I wanted for a double major and I feel like finance and IT, or now IS, I believe it is called, mm-hmm. uh, are, are the two typical double majors that pair well with accounting. But neither of those are really striking my fancy. You could say, I was like, ah, seems a little bit too normal, a little bit. Not, it, it is, <laughs> too pedestrian, yeah, you know, it, finance, it, 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 who does that? Like yeah. that is, is neither, neither of the majors really sung to me. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, supply chain management. I feel I like, I feel like that's kind of what, that's that's the way that the world is going that this this seems like a very important topic but I felt like it was kind of a secondary major in the business school at the time I should say Mm. I I didn't feel like supply chain management wasn't talked about as much or there wasn't as many supply chain majors as there were 
accounting, finance, IT, and so on. Sure. Because like the time that you were in the college of business, like since you said you graduated in 2019, right? So the time that you were making this decision was maybe more in like the 2016, 17 type of year. So it's, it's a different organization now than it was when you were a part of it. Exactly. It's honestly mm-hmm. crazy how much has changed in the last six years. Because yeah, it was about 20. Was, if, it was, if we're looking at first semester, my sophomore year, yeah, that would fall of 2016. And mm-hmm. when I decided that I wanted to do supply chain as my double major, I remember a couple of professors and a couple of my peers being like, oh, accounting supply chain. That's an interesting combo, hmm. which honestly, hearing that, I, I kind of like that. I was like, oh, I'm a little unique. That's kind of fun. Like, I'm edgy now. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, as edgy as a uh, business double major. To be. <laughs> um, but no, I was like, yeah, there wasn't I feel like there wasn't a lot of that combo. It was it was kind of it was kind of it was unique. It was different. And now, even even not even now, I should say, even by the time I graduated in 2019, I noticed that I was hearing that combo of accounting supply chain so much more. It was crazy mm-hmm. how just in two or three years that was changing. Um, and you know, of and course, I, supply chain is huge in public discourse. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Like you said, really important. Exactly. And I, I obviously with the pandemic and all that has happened in the last couple of years, that's only made some of the, the issues in supply chain management kind of come to the forefront even more Definitely. but but yeah so then I went I went that route but it was still fully I'm just I'm an accounting major and then supply chain it was just kind of it's something I, I'm interested in that will help me get to my 150 credits right like you were that, doing it more just because like you knew I have to reach the certain threshold to go through the CPA exam and everything like that and can you just for those who aren't as familiar with the accounting field can you just briefly give what the what is the CPA exam and what does it qualify you to do Absolutely. Yeah. So the CPA exam, meaning certified public accountant, that is what Mm -hmm. it stands for. And that is almost having your CPA certification is almost more important than having an accounting degree. I don't Mm want to, I don't want to go that far, but if you're going into public accounting in specific, but even just any kind of accounting role, having that CPA is kind of a, a baseline. Like, yes, we, we recognize you as an accountant. Right. Um, so it's, so it's, it's an kinda, important base level certification. Exactly. It's, yeah, it, that it's, makes sense. it's rare that you would, especially in today's age, I would say it's rare that you would see a public accountant or an accountant in general, whether they're in the, in, in industry or in, in public accounting, mm-hmm. um, be in that role, at least to an ex- a certain extent. I think you, I think even in public accounting, you can't even get to that manager level without a, a CPA certification. Sure. Um, it's rare that you would see that, oh, yes, I have an accounting degree, but I'm not going to try to get my CPA certification. It's very rare. So it is it is mm-hmm. a relatively baseline thing. I know a lot of people try to achieve a certification before even graduating. Wow. Or very short, shortly after or very shortly after graduating. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, it's something that typically if you're in accounting, it's something you want to go for. And what I'm saying about the credit limit is that you need 150 college credits to be Mm -hmm. able to, but at least by the time that you finish your CPA exam, um, that is, it is a full headed monster. Uh, There's four different large exams you have to take to get the the final certification. I think in some States, again, I I'm not as privy to this information now. It's been a few Mm -hmm. years since I've been looking (laughs) into this, but, um, I know for some states you can start taking the CPA exam when you only have like 120 credits, for example, mm. but then you need the 150 by the time you finish. So that's that's right. essentially the the mindset I was in as I was choosing my major and absolutely and, and kind of my path. 
Right. And that, thank you for giving that description. I think just for Absolutely. our listeners, it's helpful to know because there are lots of fields where there is kind of like an entry level license or certification that you really need to jump through that hoop in order to be eligible for the positions that you look for. So it makes me think a lot of like, you know, mental health fields, you need, you know, a counseling license or a social work license makes me think of the healthcare fields as well. Um, and that can be a lengthy process, but potentially something that you could start in undergrad too. So it, that's just helpful to know, because I don't think a lot of people think of the business fields as having that type of certification or qualifications necessarily. But, um, but hearing about it in the accounting field, I think is just helpful for anybody who might be considering it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, that's definitely one of the at least to my knowledge, that's the one business major, I think that has like a clear, like you said, baseline certification that mm -hmm. if you're, if you're going into this field, you definitely want to have. Right. Yeah. So anybody who's thinking about accounting major, something to keep in mind. So then you sort of stumbled into supply chain. What happened since then? Because I, I think you have a little bit of a, like, you know, switcheroo coming down the path that you're going to tell us about. Absolutely. Yes. It was, it was definitely a change of pace come my senior year. So I had, mm -hmm. I had interned at a public accounting firm mm -hmm. after my junior year, which is the standard timeline went through the, at the time was called the matching program. Now I think it's called something different, but it's essentially, I mean, it is a matching program. You see it in, in a lot of different majors. You see it in, in medical fields and you see it in fraternities and like that kind of structure. <laughs> um, so I went through that and matched with the, the accounting firm I wanted interned over the summer and great company, great young culture, which I really liked, but I wasn't super thrilled about what I was doing. And I was trying to take it with a grain of salt. Cause I know that with internships, you don't get the full flavor of what you're actually going to be doing mm. as a, a, a full-time professional, but I was just not really thrilled to be graduating college, but I was like, okay, well, this is, this is, I, I've gone, I've come this far and I'm, I'm a very organized, structured, planned out kind of person. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this goes back to ninth grade that I've kind of been on this track. Right. I yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want to almost deviate, 10 years you know? of your identity kind of yeah. like, this is what I'm good at. This is what I've been successful at. This is what I'm going to do. And then you were having some doubts. I was definitely having some doubts and it was tough too, because after the internship, you essentially have to, I, I got the offer to come back full time after my mm -hmm. senior year, which is great that you can go into senior year with this job already lined up, Totally. but it, it was a quick turnaround. So I, I initially, I said yes. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, yes, I would love to work full time for you. And it was kind of as senior year started, I got into that fall semester. I keep having more and more thoughts, more doubts. But I, I keep going back to like, well, I said yes. Like, how bad does that look for me to yeah. kind of rescind my offer? Yeah, like your uh, conscience was like, I said yes, but maybe I regret that a little bit. Exactly. Well, mm -hmm. That's exactly what it was. So I still remember the day. I don't remember exactly what day it was, but it was just a random weekday. I was doing some work in mm -hmm. the David Straz atrium, as all of us business students do from time to time. <laughs> and I'm, I'm having these thoughts. I'm doing my work, whatever. And I was just on some random page and I see a banner ad kind of on the side calling out Marquette's new master's program in supply chain management. Mm -hmm. And I saw it and I was kind of intrigued. It piqued my interest. But I was like, I've, I've heard of this, but I don't really know anything about it. I didn't think about it. I just, I, oh, I knew that they were doing this. I actually clicked on the ad and it took me to the master's page. And I started reading more about it and I was very intrigued. I was like, this sounds really cool. And I was like, this, this could be, I'm, I'm immediately cogs are turning in my head and I'm, 
kind of like this could be an interesting pivot. I have this supply chain bachelor or that I'm about to be getting. I have this background. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could kind of pivot this way, see what this offers and go this route. But mm-hmm. it was still, still all these things are going in my head of, well, I accepted my offer. I can't go back on it. But what if I don't want to do this? Am I going to change? Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the day that things changed a lot. There was a yeah. lot of conversations that ended up happening after that, both with that public accounting firm and with some Marquette faculty. Uh, but yeah, that was the day that that a lot of things a lot of things changed. You could say, Nick, I, I think that's great to hear, even for students listening who aren't accounting students, um, that being open to um, experience and trial. And if they do feel a disconnect between the classroom and the job, um, maybe that that could mean something. Um, be open to aha moments, open to um, this being an ongoing process throughout your, your college experience. Mm-hmm. And one yeah. other thing that I'd add there would be like the, the almost the, the emotional tenor of what you experience of sort of like, like when you were describing the, like, I have this offer, but I'm not really sure I want it. Like there was kind of like a heaviness when you were talking about it. And then when you described when you came became aware of this new opportunity, like there was a lightness and excitement too, and how that that shift probably made it pretty clear of what maybe was the right choice, which plugs in really nicely to a lot of Ignatian discernment concepts that if uh, you know maybe too much to get into here, but <laughs> that's a that's a favorite topic of mine. <laughs> no, yeah, there were there were definitely some uh, some examens taken from time yeah. to time um, mm-hmm. to do some of that discernment, but yeah, totally. But no, yeah, it was you guys both make make good points, and I think the thing that I really learned from doing this because going through college, I was always set on, you know, you want to, you want to create the best reputation for yourself, not just with your professors and and with your peers, but with these professionals that are looking to hire you at some point, you know, you Mm -hmm. want to create a good, a good rapport with them and be a good, strong professional. So I was like, well, if I, if I I don't even get out into the workforce and I'm already kind of going back on my word, I'm going back Mm. on an offer like an it, integrity it, piece you exactly. felt like that would that would really leave a bad taste in their mouth and and in yours frankly it sounds like you didn't want to go back on that because of your character exactly there was a lot of how it, does, does this look poor is this not conscientious or considerate enough mm-hmm. um luckily the uh talent manager at the firm that i was uh that i got the offer from was mm-hmm. incredibly understanding of my situation mm-hmm. i think it, it helped that it was for more education like how right it's tough for someone to be like okay yeah we're, we we are going to look down upon you for wanting to get more education it was sure. and it was less of that and I I always I always try to frame it up that way that it was kind of I didn't want to just not do this one thing it was more of like I'd rather do this other thing a little bit more and I mm-hmm. feel like I would I would have regretted not changing that um so it was yes there was definitely some aha moments and there was a lot of a lot of talks between uh, between the, the faculty and and my now fiance and my family mm-hmm. and and myself and God. There was mm-hmm. a lot. There was lots of lot going on because I I never deviated this way. I never changed something like this. Mm-hmm. But it's you always you always say that you're never going to be that that person. It's like oh yeah, I changed my major four times and I was in school for seven years. You're like yeah, that's not going to be me. I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And then here I am that was essentially me in the 11th hour changing my, right. I, not changing my major, but changing my sure. path a little bit. Yeah. And Cause it was a spring semester of senior year that you were making this decision or was it like kind of late fall? It was, yeah, it was like mid to late fall. I think it was, it was like, I think it was right around fall break time. Oh my gosh. I was like, wow. All right. I think I need yeah. to, 
if I'm going to do something, I need to do something now. Cause right, I don't even, right. I don't even know if I, if I, okay, I have this interest in the, in the master's program, but I didn't even know if I could get into that. Cause it was, it would be next year right away. I was like, I don't even right. know if, if that's even an available option for me. It's just something that interested me. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. the way you talk about this doesn't sound like you view it as lost time. Uh, even those heavier moments um, where you were, uh, your intuition was um, making you question your decision. Uh, it, the way you talk about it, you're now looking back. It sounds like you kind of embrace that process. Is that right? Absolutely. I I'm very thankful for me coming to this inflection point in my life and having to mm-hmm. make that kind of decision. I had grown up, like I said, I was a very organized person, even from a young age, and 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 I was always a good student. Everything just kind of fell into place. I felt like in my life, especially from an education perspective. And now coming to this, literally the 11th hour of my, you know, essentially education, like now I am, right. I am senior year in college and I need to decide exactly what I'm going to do and having that, having to make that decision and then actually going with my gut, with my intuition for something that I felt like was better for me. And I, I couldn't be more thankful for it. So no, it was mm-hmm. definitely not lost time. I'm still thankful that I have all of my accounting background. I'm still happy mm-hmm. that I have that degree and right. the the little bit of internship experience I have, because that's, that's definitely invaluable, in, especially in, in any um, business setting, having that, that background. Um, but I'm, I'm more than happy that I ended up changing and, and it all ended up working out that I would, I, that I ended up working my way through this master's program, which that was right. definitely a, a, a new challenge in itself, which was a, a fun new path. Yeah, I bet. And it was an accelerated master's program. So it was all in one year, correct? Correct. Yes, I did. Yeah. I did um, through a lot of discussion with um, a the a supply chain professor. I did manage to do the accelerated program, thankfully because of my father being a member of the Marquette community. I was mm. benefit from that, which was another uh, you could say another a, a bonus. It wasn't a reason to do it. It was a bonus of like, yeah, if I could do this, get another another year of school, this would be this would be a, a nice benefit for me. And mm-hmm. again, it ended up working out. So yes, it was one year full time. And the, the thing at, at least at the start of 2019, that was interesting for this program was that it was structured fully virtually. Oh, which, wow. So which, that was pre COVID. Yes, it was pre COVID. It was just yeah. very coincidental timing on that. So which I really liked. Um, again, my now fiance, she was uh, a grade below me. So she was still going to be at Marquette. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of my close friends, all the people I was living with, like they were moving on. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I don't necessarily have someone I care to, to live with like, any of my buddies. I was like, but I'm, I'm from the area. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is nice. I could just live at home. I could commute to Marquette whenever I want or whenever I need, mm-hmm. but I could kind of take my classes wherever I want. So like, this seems like a, a, a it just kind of worked out. I feel like it yeah. was, this made sense for me. So I really liked that. And then, yes, when when COVID hit in March of 2020, which was nearing the end of that that grad year for me, right? it didn't really affect my class at all. I was like, well, I'm already virtual. So <laughs> right. that, that didn't take a huge hit. There was, there was supposed to be a, a final in-person workshop for a weekend mm-hmm. uh, in May of 2020 that obviously got canceled. But other than that, everything else was able to, to work out smoothly and then kind of landed me where I'm at now. Yeah, definitely. And I I appreciate that you brought up kind of how part of what helped make this graduate school decision was how it fit into other things in your life, you know, that like it was able to sort of keep 
you in the place where your now fiance was like when you were when she was still on campus and stuff like that and that it also fit that you could um, live at home while doing your classes online so I think sometimes when people are picking graduate schools they get wrapped up in the idea of like you know wanting to go to the best program or the highest ranked one which that can be a, a way that you help make your decision but also considering what is my life going to look like while I'm doing this grad work is a really helpful way to pick what program you're going to spend your time and, and your money on so yeah no, the example uh, of that a hundred percent. That's exactly what I thought of. It was like, like I said, I'm a very structured person mm-hmm. and having my fiance there, having my family in the, in the area, I was like, well, yeah, I would, I would love to be able to stay in the area. Obviously I was like, so it's like the fact that it's just another Marquette program that I can, I'm, I, I'm used to Marquette. I'm used to the faculty. I can just continue my education here. It just, it, it worked out very well. Yeah. And then led me into more opportunities in the Milwaukee area where I've, I've landed now. So. So moving from the intuitive decision-making, speaking of decision-making and Ignatian discernment, Gracie, um, Mm -hmm. went from intuitive to more analytical. Um, Pros and cons, I have a set of criteria I'm using to make my decision. So um, both are are valuable tools in your decision-making process. Mm -hmm. 100%. And I think that it... I think that it kind of... what, What comes together for me from both an intuitive and an analytical perspective is where do you think you're going to be the most happy that Mm -hmm. was kind of what it landed on me as it's like you can you can go with your heart you can think with your head and kind of combining both two is like where do I think I'm going to be the most happy and I felt like this was the path between working in the accounting field going with the grad program or door c going with something else that that grad program is where I felt like that my head and my heart are kind of connecting here that this right. is this is what feels right to me, and at least at this point, a couple years hindsight, um, that that certainly seemed to be the right choice. But mm-hmm. that that that's always my thing is like, regardless of where you've been, where you think you're going, and exactly where you're at, look at like what what has made you, what are you passionate about, what has made you happy, and what do you think will make you happy in the future? And that's kind of that's kind of where I even got to that inflection point. Is like I don't I don't feel like I'm going to be my happiest if I continue on this path. It's like, that's what even got my, my, my head thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's always my thing is like, is happiness should be like the, like the main thing is like, what makes sense for you? What makes sense for your, your family, your surroundings, the people that are affected by you, like everything should stem from how can you be happy in what you're doing, especially from a work perspective as that, that takes up so much of your life it's like mm-hmm. you're not if you're not happy in what you're doing that's gonna that's gonna boil over in a lot of different areas in your life yeah very true yeah and there's like a, a alignment or congruence kind of feels like a general theme of what you're talking about is like that that choice was aligned and it, it ended up leading to something cool so can you just give us like a brief overview of what you do for Coles now before we wrap up yeah absolutely so like I said after after undergrad, when I decided that I was at this point now set up to go into grad school, I had found myself a nice internship with Kohl's mm-hmm. um, in their merchandising department as a, at the time was called a, a merchandise analyst intern. Um, so I did that after undergrad for a couple months and then went back to my grad school and I had the, the offer lined up to work with Kohl's similar to the way that I had with the accounting firm previously. Mm-hmm. So then I started in Kohl's, luckily with COVID hitting my start date only got pushed back a few weeks uh, oh, wow. rather, rather than a few months or longer. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was able to start in July of 2020 full-time as a merchandise analyst trainee. And 
And so now it's been, you know, a little under two years here. I'm still in the, in the analyst role. There've been a few changes you could say in the structure the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, as, as we all know, um, e-com retailing, the department store, traditional department stores that are struggling. Um, and Kohl's has really tried to invigorate and innovate the, their, their brand. And I think they've done a really great job. And I promise this is not a plug for Kohl's. This is, on, <laughs> this, this is my honest opinion from what I've seen. You're um, not a secret Kohl's influencer. This is not a SponCon moment. No, this is, there, there's, there's no, there's no sponsor behind this at all. This yeah. is just, just my, what I've seen in the last I don't know, 19, 20 months of being on the job, but yeah, so I'm mm-hmm. still, I'm still in my analyst role currently looking at what my next steps could be, but yeah, so it's, it's essentially, it's, it's, it's a very product centric focus in the merchandising, the merchandising world where I'm kind of falling under. So I've had a few different analyst roles in different positions. So I've been in, in the men, I started in the men's basics office. So I was, mm-hmm. I was literally the analyst over men's socks. So oh, you, wow. if you go into a Kohl's department store and you see the walls of socks, the bunkers of socks, it's like, yes, like there is a specific person that is putting this sock in this store, which That's is kind of weird. Amazing. to talk I just remember my, my first Monday on the job of, of passing a, a purchase order and you're like, wow, I just bought $3 million worth of retail dollars worth of socks Whoa, like yeah. that is the, because it's, it's fully, you are ordering for the entire Kohl's structure across the, right. across their, their 1100 plus doors across the entire nation. Uh, it's not yeah. like your socks in a region. It's like, this is across your the socks. nation. You're the socks exactly. guy. And so yeah. now do you have like really high standards in socks? Like, <laughs> um, I guess definitely... should be a sock influencer is what See, we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is, I feel like from an analyst perspective, like mm-hmm. being, not being a buyer or assistant buyer that are actually choosing the assortments of the products. Mm-hmm. And we're just the people that are figuring out what makes sense. Like, our inventory management, where should these socks actually go? I see. From, from my perspective, I'm less of a hands-on product person and I'm more mm-hmm. of a, an analytical uh, aspect of the office. That makes so it's sense. More it's of a like, helpful distinction. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's less of what are the attributes of the sock? I'm going to judge this sock because it doesn't feel a certain way. Or it doesn't look a certain mm-hmm. way. It's more of when I go into a store, what do their sock bunkers look like? Like, a, yeah. you know, do they look full? Like how, how is Kohl's looking today? How is Macy's looking? Like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's what, I, that's what I'm viewing. But I've had a few sure. different stops across a couple of different men's offices. And I've really enjoyed my time. Like I said, from the accounting firm that I was at, I loved the young culture and that's exactly what I get at Kohl's. Mm-hmm. Um, my team of analysts, like I said, there's been a few different restructurings. So I'm now on a team of, of analysts um that we're kind of on a team together and there's i think 14 or 15 of us and we're all fresh out of college respectively you know within Mm -hmm. a few years so we're we're all kind of on the same page not just with what we do at work but also kind of how our our life works which is kind of nice so you have a lot of that camaraderie with peers and stuff and Mm -hmm. it's been interesting going back into the office once a week now that started up at the beginning of the year sure so now i actually get a little bit of in-person collaboration with my peers but but yeah, so it's been a it's been a nice ride, and would have never thought that I would be here if I looked at myself five, even three years ago. Yeah. Uh, but now I'm I'm at a great company that I love, and and uh, I'm excited to see what what the future has in store for me. 
Absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing your story about your time at Marquette and kind of navigating all the way through graduate school and ending up where you are now. Um, to close out, to kind of let you go out with a bang, is there a piece of advice that you either received from somebody about your career or just life in general that you'd like to share with our audience? I think the the biggest thing that I've I've actually done a lot of a lot of talking with a lot of very successful people, specifically at Coles in the in the mm-hmm. very in the last few months, specifically, as I said, as I'm looking towards my next step in my career. And the thing that I, that always sticks out to me is they always say you have to be, you have to own your career. You have to own your career path and you have to be intentional mm-hmm. about the steps you take for it. I think a lot of times there's still the mindset of, okay, I get this job. I do well in this job. I, you, you, connections happen. I, I move up the ladder and that just, mm-hmm. just kind of happens. It kind of falls at your foot. And that's just not the case. And especially with the pandemic and how that has changed, how work go, how work happens um, mm-hmm. with so many things happening more virtually. And there's not as many random sightings of people. You don't bump into people at the office anymore. Mm, you sure. have to be so much more intentional about how you're networking and how you're building these relationships. But that's essentially the, the main thing that's going to get you those next steps is having those connections. So you really have to take advantage of any opportunity that you have, but you have to be the owner of that. It's not going to, it's not going to come to you. So that's always my thing is, and that's what I've learned just in a few short years of, of being at Coles, less than two years being at Coles is you have to really own what exactly you want, find your passion, reach out to people, make those connections. Um, and you kind of drive where you want to go. And then mm-hmm. typically things will, will kind of fall your way at, at that point. Sure. That's an excellent piece of advice. The importance of networking, and especially if you know folks are starting jobs or internships virtually, just to really uh, take the bull by the horns, so to speak. So thank you so much for your time today, Nick. It's been great to get to talk to you. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Gracie, for having me. Um, it's been a great time. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. All right. Well, tune in, everybody, to our next episodes. We've got more great people coming up in the season. And I'm not just saying that because I'm the next interviewee. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. the Career Services Center staff at Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Thanks for listening.